Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now I want you in a moment to stand with me. I'm going to read again from the eighth chapter of Romans. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, Jesus is Lord. I want to try to bring a word to all of us here in America, as well as those that watch on the internet anywhere in the world. The thing that is so important every day of your life, regardless of what happens around you, is to understand that God's word is very, very clear. In the 28th verse of this chapter, it says, All things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. And then the book of Romans says some words to us. This is just one place of many that we could go to that help us to understand that there are some things that are out of the control of all of us. That God sent his son to not only be Savior, but to be Lord. That that son is coming back to this earth again. He has been crucified. He has been, he was buried in a borrowed grave, and he has risen from the grave. He now sits at the right hand of the Father. He is overseeing everything that is going on in this world. Nothing happens without his permission or his causing it to happen. And whatever your status in life may be this morning, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, the Bible says the day will come where every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a lot of mistakes we make in life. There are a lot of things we do right. But there is one that has preeminence. His name is Jesus. And if we do not understand who he is, we can lose it real easy, as I'm going to try to show you this morning. So I want you to listen carefully to the Scripture. And then I want you to think... Not about your worldview, but what is God saying to you at this moment in history, accepting us where we are, understanding what we have available to communicate with the Father, what is he trying to say to you as an individual? When you understand that, you will better understand what's happening to the nation and what's happening to the world. So listen carefully, if you will. Jesus is Lord. Let's stand out of respect to the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Beginning with verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. And then I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4. I want to read to you two verses, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Would you be seated, please? When you read that word separation, or when you hear that word separation, it can be in a lot of context. But that is not a word that we like to hear. We do not like to hear about two people that have become one flesh under God, being separated, being divorced. There's just something about that that most people say, I wish it could have been different. We don't like to hear children being separated from their parents. We don't like to hear friends that have been separated from each other. We don't like to hear people have been separated from their place of employment. And we hear a lot about that these days. We keep seeing divisions and divisions and divisions and divisions. And kingdom rising against kingdom and nation against nation. And then we also see within a nation people rising, separating, 50-50. One group feeling this way, one group feeling that way. Each group feeling very strongly, we're right. In a divorce, I'm right, they're wrong. Somebody's right, somebody's right. That's always the feeling. Because, you see, today we have problems with relationships. I talk oftentimes with young people, especially on our staff. We have the most wonderful young people in the world on our staff. God is growing up some incredible, incredible young people in our church. Matter of fact, you're going to see some of them here in just a, a few days of how many are serving this morning of our young people that have made a commitment to serve the Lord with their life, and I'm going to let you see some of them. But in the midst of all of that, we are also having a lot of reasons for separation and for lack of commitment to each other. One of the things about Sagemont, if you're a guest here, we ask everybody here to give a word, a look, and a touch. And I want you to think about that in a, in a day of technology. When I talk to our young people, I talk to them about the difference in relationships and the difference in communication. A lot of people feel like if I've communicated with you, then we're in some kind of relation. I text you. I emailed you. You know, I Facebooked. I, uh, I Twittered. And what we're having today is we're, we're gradually seeing all relationships breaking up. We're seeing a day come that is not something new, and I want to show you something that was sent to a member of our church who sent it to me. I was so impressed with it, and it came at a wonderful time because sometimes when I have as father my conversations with our younger staff, that's exactly what it ends up. When I walk out of the room, I can imagine what they're saying. 
about that feeble old man. He doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. But I'm glad there's somebody a whole lot smarter than me said something a few years ago. You'll recognize the name you'll, when you see his picture. But I want to just kind of show you a picture today. And we wonder why is it we do not have relationships? Why are we having problems with relationships? So I would like for you to notice the, the day that Albert Einstein feared may have finally arrived in America. I want you to look. Here is young people having coffee with their friends. Let's move to the next one. There they are having a wonderful day at the beach. <laughs> now, football. What a wonderful day boosting their team. Relationship from the stands to the football field. Paying great attention to the cheerleaders. Moving that relationship along. Ah, going out to dinner with your friends. What a wonderful opportunity that is to communicate and get to know each other. How about a date? <laughs> Those of you that are my age, wouldn't you have liked to have a date like that? I know a better uh, alternative to that, but anyway, that's for another sermon. Having a conversation with your best friend. Move it on. Let's go to the museum. How wonderful the art. Enjoying the sights of the town in your convertible. You just hope the driver. Here's what he said. I fear the day that technology will surpass our human interaction and the world will have a generation of idiots. <laughs> Could I just, you say, what does this have to do with the sermon? Let me just sum it up. The Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. For God so loved the world, he did not send a text or an email, but he sent, what? His only begotten son. Today we are in a generation where people spend hundreds of millions of dollars to get elected to political office, and people watch the communication to decide what they're going to do. Forget about relationships. It's all about communication. And so we have our problems trying to deal with losses. You see, God wants us to give the word the look and the touch. There's some things that you have to have a relationship. If you don't understand that Jesus is Lord, you can have a lot of problems today about a lot of different situations. We have a lot of losses in life. That's what sports is all about, is losses. Money. Losses, death, loved ones past, loss of jobs, yes, loss of memory, yes, loss of car keys, and yes, loss of elections. But however, there's one thing we will not lose, and that is our relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Our love for Jesus is unshakable. Our faith in him never wavers. His ways are so much higher than our ways. For anybody try to explain to you what is going on in our world today, they are helpless and hopeless to do that. But we do know that all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but God is up to something. And when we get into his word, he has given to those 
to individuals to write this book. iPhones do not have spiritual gifts, but you have a spiritual gift. And God wants you to use your spiritual gift for his glory. Some can teach, some can encourage, some have the gift of mercy, some have the gift of healing. The list goes on and on, but the point is that they're all to help us to understand and carry out God's love to a world that needs to know a person. And we are the body of Christ, the church. So we must always use and thank God for technology when it is used as a tool to help us be better in our relationships of one with another. Most people, when they are hurting, don't want a text. They want a word, a look, and a touch. Children need to be hugged. They need to be loved. They need to be looked at eye to eye and say, you are special. When our older staff gets to talking about their young children that won't answer the telephone when they call them, but they'll respond to a text, you begin to tremble. But what's going to happen to their children and to their children's children? Or will they even not care about getting a text because there's no relationship between them? Romans 8:39. nothing can separate us from the love of God, though. When I get in my darkest moments, I think Jesus is Lord. He wins. In the last quarter, he will be King of kings and Lord of lords to all people. Right now, he's my Lord. I hope he's your Lord. He is my Savior. I hope he'll be your Savior. He's promised to meet my needs. He is the great physician. He's my doctor. He's not under Medicare, Obamacare, any other kind of care. He is Lord. And when the insurance runs out, he don't. He is eternal. He is everlasting. When the economy goes down the sewer, he's still Lord. He still has a promise to fulfill. He will not separate. We cannot be separated from his love nor can we be separated from his presence. That's the reason that you can get very much disturbed when you hear people talking about getting far away from God or I haven't been close to God recently. Oh, yes, you have. He has not left you, and he has not forsaken you. But the one thing that's going to get us through tough times, individually and collectively, is knowing that Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord and he inhabits his people that acknowledge him as Lord. The things on earth we sing will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Jesus is our, is our all-sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. What a comfort. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Our greatest encouragement today 
is our awareness of the presence of God's love. God's speaking to us. Maybe when we're asleep in that still small voice of saying, sleep, my child. But when you awaken in the morning, I'm still Lord. I am still in charge. My father knows what's happening. His grace is sufficient. And I am the one that has brought that to your world. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let me tell you something, church. Whether you're smiling or frowning, I don't care how you voted. Jesus is Lord and he hadn't lost control. Do you hear what I'm saying? Either this book is right or public opinion is right. Public opinion would say we're going this way. God says you'll go the way I let you go or lead you because there's no other name but mine. There's no question today. No question. No question that the evangelical church as we know it is losing in the cultural war. No doubt about it. Is it right what they are doing? I don't think so. But is that what the call will be made on? No. The Lord has made it extremely clear to every nation on the planet. We have a nation now that was built with families, love for God, Love for schools, yes. Love for the church, love for family, love for friends. We were a unique nation. But we're very quickly saying we don't want to be a unique nation. We want to be like all the other nations. We don't recognize God's blessings on us. We do not believe that God has blessed us because even though he said righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people, we do not believe that. We believe as a nation by majority that life is not sacred anymore and marriage, God's first earthly institution, can be anything that people want it to be rather than what God said. We have lost that war here on earth, but it hadn't been lost in heaven. God has made it extremely clear in his word. And we can choose this day who we're going to serve and who we're going to follow. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if the time ever comes, if the time ever comes, that a line is drawn in the sand, the children of God will step over that line and say, we're serving God. Bring it on. Bring it on. We're not going to trust the military. We're going to trust the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. All we can talk about today right now, you'll see it all day long on any news station, is the fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, cliff. Let me tell you something. We've already fallen off the moral cliff. And the only thing that's going to put us back on solid ground is to lick our wounds and get up and repent. 
and crawl back up there and say, ask for my house, and I know what a house is. I know what a man and a woman is and what God intended for the family and for the home. I know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and he made Adam and Eve and every other baby that's been conceived is special to God. It is in the book. And that's what we're going to believe. And it doesn't matter how the nation votes. I don't know if this will help you or not, God never sleeps nor slumbers. I went to sleep on election night. Okay, I finally said, okay, I, you know, I went to sleep. He didn't sleep that night, but he didn't watch it either. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? He was not waiting to see who would be the president. What he was waiting on was what's in the hearts of the people that are voting. Are they more concerned about their money than they are their morals? Are they more concerned about those things that keep being flashed before our eyes? Or are they concerned about the things of God? Listen to Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Could I ask you a question? When Jesus was crucified and was taken off of that, that cross, do you think... The demons of hell rejoiced in Satan himself. But I like what that black preacher preached years ago. The sermon was great. The title was even better. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. <laughs> Satan had three days to rejoice. But Jesus is alive. He came back. He did not check the polls. He did not tune in to CNN or MSNBC or Fox. He rose, and there's no more suffering. When you go out and look at our cross and you look at our empty tomb, look down the water, you'll see the crown of thorns. They're not going to be on his head ever again. He reigns. He reigns. My hope is built, that's the song we like to sing, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. 1968, our country president said, Ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what you can do for your country. That has been totally reversed now. We now can change that to ask not what you can do for your country, but ask rather what your country can do for you. Let me tell you something. Your country can't do for you what God can do for you. What we need is salvation, forgiveness, love. What we need is direction and hope and assurance and encouragement. The country can't give you that, but God can. He can give that to us. We can know very much that Jesus is Lord. I find great comfort when I go through the times of uncertainties and diversities by knowing that Jesus is Lord. In just a moment, I'm going to play you a, a tape. And I want you to know before I play this in a moment that I don't have a gloomy, do, I do not have a gloomy view of the future. I have a wonderful view of the future. I can almost hear the trumpets. I can almost hear the shout. I am looking forward. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. 1968, 44 years ago, I went to an evangelistic conference. 
A man by the name of S.M. Lockridge, a tall, handsome black preacher from San Diego, California, of all places. Have you noticed how many good preachers come out of California? That's, that's kind of interesting when 92% claim not to be Christians. But Dr. Lockridge, S.M., Shadrach Meshach Lockridge was his name. He preached a message called The Lordship of Christ. It's the greatest message I ever heard. I listened to it Wednesday morning of this past week for the I don't know how many times. Dr. Lockery started off his message and he said there are four classifications of men. Those that call him Lord and do the things that he says. There are those that call him Lord but do not the things which he said. There are those that do not call him Lord, but they do the things which he says. And then finally, there are those that do not call him Lord, and they do not do the things that he said. When David spoke, he said in the 118th Psalm, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. In princes. Solomon said in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He that trusts in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Solomon would say to America today, You can get your, your physical, your finances, your national debt, you can sort that out, but if you don't get your life right and your morals right, you're still going down. I'm not waiting to see what your bank account looks at. I'm looking for your heart. Is there any change from within? Galatians 3, 27, for as many of you as have been baptized unto Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, there's neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I, we are at our best when we're communicating with him. In Luke 6, 46, why call and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's the question. Dr. Lockridge preached that, that, that sermon to that group at that evangelistic conference. He started as I, I shared with you a moment ago. In the last six minutes of this service, I want you to hear him close his message. I want you to listen to a man that had one of the most unusual, powerful anointings of God upon his life of any man that has lived in my generation came from a poor family, struggled to just go to college. But he went to college, and he went to the seminary, and he got a tremendous uh, education based on his love for God and his love for the Word. He preached that night a message that every person heard it that night has never forgotten some of the things he's said. You've heard me quote him in sermons in the past. I cannot do it like S.M. Lockridge. But I want you to roll the clock back. Try that on your cell phone. I mean on your iPhone or on your computer. But roll it back. And I want you to listen to Dr. S.M. Lockridge for six minutes as he closes a message, Jesus is Lord. Watch. This will be just his picture. Listen to the voice of this man of God. He has a message for 2012. Jesus is Lord. He came down the stairway of heaven. 
born in Bethlehem, brought up in Nazareth, baptized in Jordan, tempted in the wilderness, performed miracles by the roadside, healed multitudes without medicine and made no charges for his service. He conquered everything that came up against him. He even went up on Calvary and died there and then went down in the grave. And there cleaned out the grave and made it a pleasant place to wait for the resurrection. And then on scheduled time, by the might of his own power, he got up with every form of power in the orbit of his omnipotence. Men have been trying to wrestle his power from him all these years. And then, then they are trying to wait. They think that maybe one time his power will fail. Men have tried to destroy him. But don't you know you can't destroy him? What you're going to use for power? All power belongs to him. Well, if you try to destroy him by fire, he'll refuse to burn. If you try to destroy him by water, he'll walk on the water. If you try to destroy him by a strong wind, the tempest will lick his hand and lay down at his feet. If you try to destroy him with a law, you'll find no fault in him. If you try to destroy him with the seal of an empire, he'll break it. If you try to destroy him by putting him in a grave, he'll rise. If you try to destroy him by rejection or ignoring him, before you know it, you'll hear a still, small voice saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Man, open the door, I'll come in and suck with him. He's Lord. Yes, he is. He's Lord. He's the pearl from paradise. He's the gem from the glory land. He's the true fairest of the jewel. He's time's choicest theme. He's life's strongest cord. He's light's clearest ray. He's purity's whitest peak. He's glory's stateless summit. He's Lord. His name stands as a synonym for free healing, friendly help, and full salvation. He blessed his blessed name is like honey to the taste. It's like harmony to the ear. It's like health to the soul. It's like <laughs> hope to the heart. I'm trying to tell you, he's Lord. He is, he is higher than the heaven of heaven, and he's holier than the holy of holies. He's Lord. In his birth is our significance. In his life, is our example in his cross is our redemption in his resurrection is our hope he's lord in his, at his birth men came from the east at his death men came from the west and the east and the west met in him he's lord yes he is hallelujah he's lord and the lord god omnipotent reigneth and he yes he will he's gonna reign and you don't have to worry 
there will come a time when every knee is going to bow, not only at the name, but to the name. And every knee is going to bow in the name. Whoa, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. I confess that he's my Lord. I love to call him my Lord. The Lord is love. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want for rest. For he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for refreshment. For he leadeth me beside still waters. I shall not want for forgiveness. For he restoreth my soul. I shall not want for companionship. For yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. I shall not want for comfort, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not want for sustenance, for he thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not want for joy, for thou knowest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I shall not want for anything in this life, for goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall not want for anything in the life to come, for I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Is he yours? You can crown him king in your own heart right now. You can crown him Lord of all in your heart right now. Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, he is. He is Lord. And don't you forget it. Could I give you a suggestion, some homework? Would you go home and replace your prayers with, instead of praying that we will reach across the aisle, and change your prayer that both sides of the aisle will get on their knees and humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways and hear from heaven and let God forgive our sin and heal our land. It's not about reaching across the aisle, folks. It's about getting on our face before God. If this nation is going to survive, we need revival, and that's what the church is here for. Is he your Lord? As we close the service, I want you to just stand. Don't move, please, but just stand up and don't step out in the aisle for just a moment. <clears throat> the purpose of the morning is to remind all of us that Jesus is Lord. Is he your Lord? That's the question that Dr. Lockridge asked. Is he your Lord? He can be. He wants to be. If your faith is still in any political system, you're in trouble. But if your hope is in nothing less but Jesus, than Jesus' blood and righteousness, you can be born again today. You can have something that no one can take away from you. Full, free salvation. It is yours. 
We're going to open up our Connection Center, which is located under the far terrace right here in the center of this building. But you go outside into the foyer and turn to the left from that door to the right from these doors over here. If you're going to the hospitality room where I'm going to go, you'll turn left. But that room and that lobby is, is back here, very private. It's not out there where all the sofas are. It's back this way behind the divine servant. If you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, please go there. Just simply share with people, I just want Jesus Christ in my life. You don't have to join this church, but you do have to be born again. And you can do it right there. If you would like to be a part of our church, helping us give a word, a look, and a touch, and being living proof of loving God to a watching world, go there. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a baptized believer, and you want to be a, a part of a church that's trying to be who Jesus was when he was here to the world, that we to be our part of the body of Christ to take Jesus to the world. And you would like to be a member of this church. Go there, and they will help you and tell you what to do. It's very simple, and we would love to have you if God is leading you here. Our Heavenly Father, as we close with this song, would you lead us every step of the way? Oh God, I do pray for all of our elected leaders. From the president to someone that is leading in a small town somewhere in this great land. But they've said, I'll serve. And may any ulterior motives that any might have be put aside. And I'm praying, Father, that you'll send your angels out to minister to every elected leader in this country. Break those that need to be broken. Humble those that need to be humbled. But bring revival to us as we do what we can do. And I pray, God, that somebody will be saved today, that many will be by asking you into their life, and that many others will come and join our church family, do what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.